What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special peer review episode uh, of the RXP Podcast. This is the podcast where usually four worker professionals, but today it is two worker professionals talking all about their love for movies, TV shows, and video games. Today, my name, my name of course, is Matt, and I am joined by Yasser. I'm so excited for this discussion, Matt. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Because we are doing a special peer review episode on The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. Whoo, man. That was a lot of game, but I really enjoyed it and I can't wait. This is part, of course, when we had our goal episode, we were talking about a few games that my co-hosts have played that they think, hey, you know what, Matt? You haven't played these. Let's play them. Let's talk about them. And this is the first iteration of that. Hitting up Yasser for Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. And, ah, man, I we have been itching. Where we do we, we even really start? haven't even talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have kind of been blackout. Like, I told mm-hmm. you kind of general thoughts. Like, I didn't hate the game. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really talk anything else about it. And now a couple weeks have passed since I finished it. Mm-hmm. I've digested it. A lot of digesting. And I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, just for the audience... You know, if you haven't played Last of Us 1, Last of Us Part 2, you can stick around for a little bit. We're going to try to avoid spoilers the best as we can. We will put a timestamp in the episode of when spoiler the spoiler gates go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to try <laughs> to be as spoiler-free and not, you know, skirt around things as best we can the first part of this episode. We will give you a warning, I promise. <laughs> but Yasser, yes. I have a question for you. Yes. Is... The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it collectively as one whole story. Yeah. Is this the best story in video games? Wow. I did not prepare you for this, <laughs> yeah. and I want you, I wanted to put you on the spot yeah. as best as best as possible. Mm-hmm. That is obviously a very loaded question. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like my first instinct is to say yes. I don't think I have experienced very many stories that come close to the narrative impact that this story does. And that's for a multitude of reasons that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about for sure. But honestly, like, I think obviously this game, unlike other games, put so much emphasis on the story. So it kind of has to be right. um, like first and, foremo- uh, first and foremost, uh, like the thing that you think about when you think about these two games. Um, and I don't know, like because of that and just how expertly done it was, I don't feel like another story really, um, can take that crown. What do you think? Do you have, obviously you're asking me this, so you've thought about it a little bit. Are there games that you feel like come close? Do you feel like there's some games that are definitely right on par with Last of Us? What do you think? Mm Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Like I have I've been blissfully unaware of all the discourse around these (laughs) games. Now I am like I go on the subreddits and I'm like, what what is this? Mm -hmm. Like it is this like the worst (laughs) part of humanity is on these subreddits. So I've not had to live, you know, with this question in my mind for very long. But being fresh, being away from the zeitgeist, not talking to really anybody about it, just my own opinion. Yeah. I think this is easily the best story I've ever experienced in video games. Like, I honestly think both of these are 10 out of 10 games. Mm -hmm. I have rated both of them 10 out of 10. That happens maybe once a year. And I started (laughs) off the year rating two games already at 10 out of 10. Love that. Um, Yeah, sir, you and I, we love movies. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. 
a big thing for us that we've talked about in the past is character development. That is something, in my mind, which makes a great story great. Mm -hmm. If you don't have great characters, you can never, like, you're capped out, in my opinion. Right. And I, I honestly think the character development, whether that's good or bad, you know, we might talk about that a little bit later. I think it's second to none. Yeah. Like, these are realistic characters. Am I, I like made a little written review for IGN playlist. You know, I see these as almost like Shakespearean epic characters. Mm-hmm. Like these are characters that have flaws. They have their own desires, whether those desires are good or bad. Mm-hmm. They, they make those decisions based upon it. And I think the story is better for it. And honestly, I don't see that in any other games as good as this, because yeah. from top, top to bottom, I think these characters shine so well. I really am so happy to hear you say that. I feel like for me, hearing you say that is a pretty big deal because you play a lot of linear, like story narrative driven games um, more than I have at the very least. And I know there's a lot on my docket that I'm going to be getting to uh, hopefully this year and maybe in the upcoming years. Um, But hearing you say that kind of puts a little bit more weight on it, you know, because you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. I, from my experience, I still, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, and I think the important part is that you don't have to necessarily agree with all the different parts of the story elements that they writ, wrote into the story and how some of those kind of decisions kind of impacted other characters throughout the story. I don't feel like you need to agree with every um kind of step that the story takes to appreciate how well made it is as a whole. And mm-hmm. without a doubt, both part one and part two are masterclasses in storytelling in general. And that's something that I feel like, I, I think I told you this early on, but it really had pushed video games forward as far as what you'd mm-hmm. expect out of a story in a video game after the first Last of Us. And that um, that impact only got pushed forward with the second game. And as most people have heard about the both of those two games know, like there's a lot of controversy behind them. But beyond that, it still pushed the video game industry forward as a whole because of how masterly they crafted these characters and also how they kind of weaved in so many different narratives within the gameplay where it never felt like you were going in and out of cutscenes but rather it was just part of the experience as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, you know, I think back at some of these other narrative games that have great single protagonists. Mm-hmm. Like I think about God of War 2018, God sure. of War Ragnarok. Yeah. I, I think the complexity of Kratos in this, in those games is great. I, I think he is a great character because of it. Mm-hmm. He goes through the highs and lows, but honestly, It's not just the main character that goes through the highs and lows. And it goes back to kind of what you're talking about. Like this is looking back at any good movie. The main protagonist may not always make the right decisions. You may be screaming at your TV like, (laughs) what are you doing? But then when you think about it, like a good movie is you can back it behind it. Like, okay, that that's what they would do. Like that Mm -hmm. makes sense for their character. Yeah. And I, I honestly think that it plays into a lot of really good themes that, you know, hopefully we'll touch on when we can talk really deep into the spoilers. Yeah. You know, 
of some of the themes of what this is really trying to tell us, mm-hmm. I think there's there's some overarching things that are really, really great. Yeah. But I want to focus more on kind of the non-spoiler things first. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as going from Last of Us Part 1 to Last of Us Part 2, going back to 2019 when this came out, yep. right? Last of Us Part 2? Yep. Were you excited? Like, have you, pl- you had played Last of Us Part 1 before then. Were you excited for Part 2? Because for me, uh-huh. I knew there was a Part 2 when playing Part 1. Yeah. What was kind of your mindset when Last of Us Part 2 was announced? So, as you know, I take quite a long time to play my single-player games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is in full uh, display right now because I'm replaying, as I mentioned uh, in that goal podcast, both of the Part 1 and Part 2 of uh, this mm-hmm. story. And um, I still haven't finished the part one and you finished both in that time (laughs) (laughs) so i say that because i was actually just finishing up the story in the first game as Mm -hmm. like the teasers were coming out and as the amazing like new trailers were coming out it's amazing in one sense because like i know that i'm going to be really interested in playing the sequel um i feel like i would have known that within the first half hour but especially how far along I was. I knew like how much I enjoyed this game and how much I was looking forward to the next one. But the bad news of that circumstance was that I was actually trying to avoid trailers as much as possible because I don't want to know who's alive. I don't want to know what the story elements are in the second game because that would kind of spoil what was coming for the the final uh, act of the first game. And so it was kind of a nerve-wracking time because mm-hmm. there were state of plays where they'd be like, okay, Last of Us Part Two, you're ready, we're ready, we're going to give you a new trailer. And like, okay, well, I'm turning this off now. <laughs> I'll come back in a couple minutes. Um, but it was a really exciting time. And obviously, uh, having played it during the Zeitgeist, you feel that energy when it's first coming out. But... Honestly, these stories are so impactful that it's it's strong even without the zeitgeist, where even right now, mm-hmm. if you're playing it and experiencing it like you did, um, they have such great impact that you kind of want to play that second game as soon as you finish the first one because of uh, like all the things that they did right in the first game. And you want to see how that story kind of continues in the second one. And also to make just a quick point about character development and then also what you were saying with um, kind of yelling at the screen. You just don't do that without good character development, right? Like you are invested 100%. and immersed into a story and that guides you or leads you into yelling at the TV when you don't agree mm-hmm. with something. It's because you feel so invested in the story and these characters that you don't want to see something silly happen for no reason. Or uh, if you just don't agree with it, a, a decision, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But that just shows how immersive the entire story is as a whole. And it's just a sign of a good character. Yeah. Like that you have emotion, positive or negative, based upon a character and their decisions. Mm -hmm. To me, that just shows, okay, they did something right. Right. (laughs) They (laughs) obviously did their homework and they made a character worth caring for. Yeah. So let me... Okay. Oh, so let me ask you though, because you're coming off this fairly recently and you're coming off it not knowing very much about the story at all which is awesome. You had a, a couple things potentially spoiled, but um, in general, like what were your overall thoughts coming into it in 2024? Uh, and how do you feel like it holds up 
with the other games that you've played more recently that have released? Yeah, so like I knew Last of Us Part Two was going to be divisive. Yeah. I <laughs> so I kind of came into it thinking something's gonna happen, or maybe multiple things are gonna happen that yeah. people just don't like. Yeah. And I, I almost had that kind of like a chip on my shoulder of like, all right, is this it? Like is this <laughs> what people didn't like? Yeah. And I understand like now I've gone back to the narrative and I'm like, oh, they didn't like this part. Mm-hmm okay but in my mind it did not take away from the thing like i almost was preparing myself for the worst Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i ended up coming out the other side thinking like what's the big guy like what's the big deal (laughs) yeah i i don't i don't get it um i did watch last of us part one the hbo series with pedro pascal and so i did kind of go through the first story kind of unscathed yeah i will say like i I knew exactly what was going to happen because it was such a direct Mm one-to-one you know there's certain things with um bill's town that is very different in the Mm -hmm. show but that made me care more about that chapter in particular i will say you know there's some heightened emotions like if you're thinking about the first episode kind of what happens when it all goes down Mm -hmm. right People are turning. There is a very emotional scene at the end of that first episode. Yes, there is. <laughs> among, you know, Joel and, you know, his kind of like loved ones. Mm-hmm. At the end of that scene, like I knew what was happening in the game. I knew it was about to happen. Yeah. Like me, me and Maddie like teared up on the couch watching this episode. I get to this part in the episode or sorry, part in the game in the game. Yeah. I know exactly what's going to happen. I still tear up. Like, it is crazy. Like, it is just such a good story. It doesn't matter if I've seen it once or a Mm -hmm. million times. It is impactful. And I think that just is a huge testament. Yeah. And I think that's a huge testament not only to the story, but the people involved, like the voice actors, number one, the Mm -hmm. actors on the show, number two, and the incredible animation engineers that they have at Naughty Dog. Like, yeah. Bar none, I have never seen more lifelike characters in a Mm -hmm. game than when I played Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. And that was true when it first came out. It was uh, was a revolution at the time. Um, But now when they've remastered them, they just took it to the next level. And it's even more incredible now um, because you're even more immersed. They look like real people as these emotional scenes are kind of taking place they're perfectly directed in the way that it would just tear out your heartstrings at certain parts of the story and it's just it's incredible because you just don't see that kind of emotional um like master class expertise in a video game uh, very often obviously it happens in a few other games as well but nothing like this in my opinion the motion capture so good yeah i completely agree with you there there's so many dialogueless scenes that happen in the game that the actors are able to express so much on their face mm-hmm. and it's crazy like crazy technology do you think playing the original and now playing you know starting to play the 
the the newest one that came out in 2022, the newest version of Last of Us Part One. Yeah. Do you think it's worth the price of admission? Are, are the difference graphically mm-hmm. and otherwise? I actually don't even know what else other than graphics they polished up. Yeah, is that worth the price of admission for someone who's just played the original in 2013? So the graphical overhaul that they did really is the entire game. It's from every okay. single texture in the game to every single facial animation uh, that was captured at the time, and then a bunch of additional features from there, whether it's the dual sense, whether it's additional features as far as how the AI reacts. So like now they actually try to swarm you and get around you. That was not in the game initially. The AI was not okay. that smart. Um, so they actually put a lot of effort into it um, to the sense that I would understand like a $40, $50 release because that's mm-hmm. practically an entire game that you're making. What I can't say makes sense, in my opinion, uh, is a $70 release. Only because when you're releasing a $70 game today, that includes the voice acting. That includes the story writing. And those are things that are already there, right? They're just mm-hmm. s- taking it and putting it into this new package and um, branding it as a new game, which it is in a lot of respects, but um, it's not the full package that you would expect out of a new game, right? So that's why, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily stand up to the $70 price tag, but when we got it for, I think, $40, I had no reservations at all, and I think it, Mm -hmm. as a new release, uh, would have held up to a $50 price tag as well. But I get why they did it as a business decision because this is one of, Sony's, in my opinion, um, marquee IPs. And so mm-hmm. if you can get more bang for your buck out of that IP, I I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. I I love some of the, the small details of this game. Like yeah. if you have your flashlight on for too long, like your flashlight starts to burn out. <laughs> I love that. You literally have to take your dual sense yeah. and like smack it against your yes. hand. As like you're smacking a flashlight. Yep. That type of immersion yes. is so cool. Yep. Like. I'm sure some there's probably some internet troll out there that's like anti gamic. It's basically <laughs> the switch. Like, shut up. No, that's no, cool. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like, this is this is excellent. Yes. I love this so much. But yeah, that AI super smart. There's games that come out right now where the AI is just dead. Yeah, they're just standing there I, shooting you know, at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the Death Loop? Death Loop was a great game. Uh-huh. It's actually I gave it a ten out of ten when it came out. Yeah. It was my game of the year that year. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. It was a fantastic roguelite. My one knock that almost put it down to a nine for mm-hmm. me is the AI was stupid, sure. and it yeah. kind of had to be because been there's too literally achievements <laughs> where you have to clear everybody. Yeah. Like you have to kill every target sure. and like have a perfect run. That would be impossible with the Last of Us AI because it's just too smart. Yeah, they flank you. Um, it's just awful. Like it, it's <laughs> awful in a great way. Like it's very realistic. Right. That being said, though, if that's not your bag. The accessibility options in Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, yeah. I understand why they kept winning awards for accessibility. Absolutely. Like, I I always rooted against them because I was like, I don't know what that game is. I never <laughs> played it. So I'm going to root for somebody else. Yeah. But no, no, no. Like, the accessibility options, whether you have some sort of hearing impairment, some sort of um, sight impairment, mm-hmm. uh, if you're just... Listen, if you just want an easier experience because it's such a narrative game and you want more of a story mode, mm-hmm. you can do all that yeah. and nothing gets locked out. You get all the trophies. And I think 
That is so cool. Yeah. When accessibility doesn't mean it has to be an easy mode, but <laughs> hey, maybe maybe dual stick is not your thing. Like mm-hmm. Jay, one of our best friends, right? One of our best <laughs> calling out Jay friends. out of nowhere. <laughs> Listen, he's just catching strays. Maybe maybe that's something he would want. You know, yeah. like a little bit of aim assist. Absolutely. That's not a big deal. Right. Like that just allows him to experience a great story yeah and i I love that yeah i'm really glad you mentioned that because i think that goes along the lines of your previous question of is this worth the 70 dollars price tag i think the work that they did on the accessibility of these two games also is a big deal that most people kind of forget um when they talk about the remasters versus the original games the original games did not have nearly as many accessibility features as okay. these two remasters mm-hmm. do. And I think part of that is just because of the times that we live in now where accessibility is more in the forefront of a lot of the best developers um, kind of game strategy when they're developing. Um, but obviously, like you said, Naughty Dog takes it to a whole new level. Like they make accessibility a priority. And I think that is going to help a lot of people who couldn't experience it in the best way that they would have wanted the first time around to have a much better experience with the remasters because you can make an ex- there's an accessibility option for just about everything and it's awesome mm-hmm. it, like you said it really makes it so much more approachable to non-gamers and that's really what last of us is is a game that extends beyond just uh is this something you'd recommend for gamers this is something i'd recommend to anybody who has access mm-hmm. to a playstation or access to these games on pc because these stories are so good that I would want anyone that I'm close to that doesn't game to experience them as well. Yeah, I think that goes along with kind of the best story in games. Not only the characters, you know, we've we've talked kind of ad nauseum about that so far, but beyond that is the characters where they live. Like this yeah. world building, so good. The lore, what happened kind of like the timeline that you piece together, mm-hmm. not only just in Boston, but when you go through different QZs. Should we say like more... what the story is about maybe? <laughs> um, Basically, <laughs> yeah. there's a pandemic. Yes. Not to hit close to recent. <laughs> yeah. There's a pandemic that happens. Uh-huh. People lose their mind. Yeah. They start uh, having quarantine zones and basically different governments rise and fall, different factions rise and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically looking at the human condition. And, you know, I could totally see some of these factions rising up after witnessing COVID <laughs> response across the United States. Like, yeah. maybe that wasn't realistic in 2013, but man, yeah. in 2024, <laughs> I get it. You know? <laughs> yeah, hit a little I'm not too calling out anything. Home. Yeah, after yeah. the pandemic. Uh, that's also yeah. another element of this is like you're playing this in a post-pandemic world where like mm-hmm. the story elements hit so much harder now, I feel, than they did even beforehand um, mm-hmm. just because of all those mirrors to what we saw during 2019 and 2020. It's it's kind of crazy to even think about. <laughs> yeah, like I, I kind of want to go. I, I kind of don't, let's be honest, <laughs> yeah. but I kind of do want to go onto like some message boards from 2013 to see if people are like this isn't realistic (laughs) no we'd all rise up as a society and make sure you know it's not about the single person it's about everyone yeah it's like how could i have Um, a spread so fast (laughs) 
people would stay home if they're sick. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but what's really cool, though, like you can experience this world and you believe it. Mm-hmm. Every piece of note, every piece of lore. Yeah. I was eating. I was reading every mm-hmm. note. Yeah. I read everything that I could. I cl- like one, I platinum both games and I'm glad I did. I'm glad it forces you to collect all, yeah. all pieces of note. It makes you pick up all the pieces of lore yeah. because it adds to this world. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It honestly is beautiful. And games suck at this. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> think games true. suck at this. It's true. Like on one spectrum, you have like super simplistic worlds where I don't, think the lore is super interesting one recent example of that is prince of Persia: the lost crown mm-hmm. which i think is a great game yeah i think it's a great game but i ended up just not really caring about the world that it was in sure. i cared about the main story but beyond that didn't care mm-hmm. then on the other side of the spectrum is something that's like super abstract you kind of have to do your work it basically funds half of youtubers online like elden ring <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like you've got elden ring youtubers they put out a video every other day yeah since release about the lore of Elden Ring, and they're still pumping out videos because no one understands the world <laughs> of Elden Ring. Right. I love it. One of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. But here you have an easily digestible, and maybe because it parallels so much with our real life world, but it's very digestible, it's believable, mm-hmm. and it makes sense. And you want to know more about this. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a weird faction in Santa Barbara? Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a one-off? Like... We'll definitely never talk about that again, <laughs> you know. Like, but yeah. you get to experience all these things. They talk about the like these uh, different cults, like the ravens that were. I don't can't even remember which city they were talking about. Yeah. They never mentioned that ever again. Mm-hmm. But you know that there are just different subsects. Like everybody yeah. has their version of the fireflies. Everybody has their version of Fedra. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really cool. It is really, really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Matt. I think the way that these two games handled their collectibles is the right way to do it. Where number one, it supplements the story that you're providing rather than have it be the entire story or the majority of the story itself that you're just accumulating through collectibles. And then the stories that you learn about in the collectibles are cool, digestible, and just easy and fun to read. And not only that, the way that they design them, they all truly look like handwritten notes, which is what you'd expect in this kind of uh, world. But it's not like just... uh, a block of text that you're reading on your uh, game screen where it's just like typed out for you. You're actually, at least uh, if you don't want to, or you can obviously with an accessibility option to make it a little bit easier to read. Cause like we said, there's a bunch of accessibility options. Um, but if you want to, you can just read off the paper and it's very legible or at least most of it is legible. Just like you'd expect. There are some words that are hard to read because everyone has different handwriting. I think all those different aspects of the collectibles made me want to find them. It wasn't like a sense of like a chore for me to find all these, but every time I would find one, I'd go, oh yeah, let me read uh, read what this one is to figure out what exactly is going on in this area that we're exploring at the time. And a lot of times the collectibles would uh, supplement the story elements that you're actually um, part of with like the mission that you're doing currently. So. For example, early on in the first game, you're transporting um, one of the characters from one city to the next because uh, she's like a very valuable person in the story. 
and you find these dead soldiers along the way and they give you insight as to what their plans are to meet with this character so that they can deliver them safely. Mm-hmm. And they tell you the route that they're going to get to, but if they don't make it, then they have to go this way. It's just a really cool way to supplement the story without kind of just cut scenes left and right, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I found a dead body in an enclosed space, yeah. right? Like it's a walled off building. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give any more specifics than that. And there's a, a letter oh my on God. their body. I know which one you're talking like, about already. <laughs> was it in the second game? This. Oh, it is in the second <laughs> yeah. game. And the letter starts very legible. It's like, yeah. man, you know, we tried to do this. Everything went to hell. And, you know, now I got bit. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, this must have been, like, very, very early on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then he's like, man, I'm... I, I'm so hot. I am so like I'm. I'm sweating. Why am I sweating so much? Yeah. And then like his the legibility of his writing got worse and worse and worse. He's like, I I can't feel. I feel everything. Like what is this? Yeah. Um. And then like you can tell like he was getting more and more mad, and his like the legibility was going away. It was almost mm-hmm. like um, is it? parkinson's patients it's, sure, it's some yeah. patients where like like the their um the writing distorts the longer their disease progresses yeah. and it was almost like that in real time and mm-hmm. all you're doing is finding a body if they didn't have that collectible in there you'd just be like oh well dead body he got stuck in here yep. and he died like but this shows everything and mm-hmm. you actually get a shotgun from his body yep. because he literally blew his face <laughs> off to, to like prevent himself from hurting anymore and that's mm-hmm. how you got the shotgun in the second game mm-hmm. it's like this is awesome this yep. is amazing storytelling without saying one piece of dialogue yep. it's so good it's incredible i really wish more games would supplement their story with the collectibles like they do we don't have to talk about it mm-hmm. more than what we already have but it's just it's a master class in storytelling again just through their collectibles mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah we've been pretty positive yes you know i mean I, and we've been pretty positive spoiler free Mm-hmm. Are there any gripes that you have with this game yeah. that you don't need to talk about with spoilers? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I've mentioned, I love these two stories. I love them so mm-hmm. much. But there are elements in both games that just felt like I would have written it differently. I didn't agree with mm-hmm. how um, it played out. And it just didn't make sense to me because so many things just make sense as far as how the characters react. Um the decisions that they make. And I think the biggest one for me, at least the first one that comes to mind throughout the length of the of both stories is the final act of the first game. Mm. Um, I'm not going to get yeah. into spoilers, but a lot of things happen very quickly <laughs> in the final act of very the first quickly. game. And to me, it felt a little bit rushed to the sense mm-hmm. that like, I it went from zero to 100, <laughs> one, and then you just get left there at the end. And it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the sense that, like, I really didn't like how it ended up uh, resolving, quote unquote, the issue at hand. Um, and mm-hmm. then the continuation of that story element, I felt like wasn't touched on enough in the second game. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as them discussing what happened, 
then as far as them kind of continuing what the primary objective of the first game was, which I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler, so I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. Um, they tr- they were trying to get one of the main characters called Ellie um, to one of the uh, one of the Firefly safe havens to help find a cure. That's all I'll say as far as like the story beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that specific story beat was in a very important story aspect of the first game that I felt yeah. like kind of just almost disappeared in the second game. And that really felt odd to me. I I think the story overall in the second game hits a lot of great notes. I just don't like that they kind of drop that off unnecessarily in a way. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with you with the pacing of the final act or really just the final chapter. Um, I did not like that decision (laughs) by a character. (laughs) Um, It was the first of many. That was maybe the first decision that I really hated. Yeah. And then the second game was full of decisions (laughs) I hated. Sure. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I had to realize that these characters aren't me. Yeah, exactly. They're not not necessarily going to be making the decisions that I make. You know, I'm definitely someone who will talk, like obviously I talk a lot, but like (laughs) I will talk through these decisions And maybe not make as rash of a decision yeah. because I want to just talk things out. Yes. Like, obviously, yeah. that did not happen. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. I was okay with it because a lot of the big decisions that happened in the second game were direct repercussions of that. Yeah. And I feel like if those repercussions did not happen, even though some a lot of people hated the repercussions mm-hmm. that happened in the second game, mm-hmm. if those didn't happen, that would cheapen that last act for me. You're, so you're I right. feel like... In in a vacuum, yeah. Last of Us Part One hated it. <laughs> I, I, but but you mean the final chapter me, or just like as the a whole? final chapter? Okay, yeah, yeah. The, no, the final chapter yeah. hated it. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. Uh huh. Yeah. And give me two hours yeah. of additional gameplay in the second mm-hmm. the second game. Yeah. I found that rim like I found yeah. the repercussions that made it worth it in my mind yeah so i had no time like i i feel the reason i asked you that mm-hmm. first question about you know did you, do you think that we needed a second a second game i i think we did yeah because oh, yeah. if i just stopped at that that last act right. that i did not care for mm-hmm. i would have such a sour taste in my mouth yes. because what whoa why are we doing that yeah. why are we doing this mm-hmm. um and that it was so quick i think that that almost like lessened the blow for me mm-hmm that I was okay with it. That's a very good point. Very good point. Because a lot of people, I think, agree with our overall assessment of how the first game ended. And I think the time that you had to wait until the second game kind of soured some people on the story as a whole, which is unfortunate because it's such a great story. But you're right. Like We're thinking of it this way because we both like to talk things out and we both usually like to try to rationally think out our next thing. And mm-hmm. I get why, when, when you really think about the story, and we're going to get into spoiler territory here soon, um, but when you really think about the story and those specific story elements that we're talking about right now, um, you can understand that something like this would happen because you're in a situation where you just don't have time to like talk about it rationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things happen and you have to just react. And the only thing for me was I felt like it was as a like 
as them writing the story, I feel like that piece of the story was only there to broaden the future chapters so that they could continue mm-hmm. the story further rather than have a story that is succinct on its own that you could stop right there if you wanted to. And I think you still can, but it doesn't leave you off on a good conclusion where you would be okay with it. Like, just like you said, um, you don't get you don't finish the first game and feel like you're satisfied with the ending of the story. And that's my mm-hmm. main issue is that the, the speed as to how it happened, I think was directly so they could set up the next chapters. And that's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, we got another great game out of it. So I can accept it and I can accept that that kind of stuff could happen. So it's not a huge deal. Um, I I mentioned this only so that we can kind of wrap up our spoiler-free territory here and ask you, as a whole, do you feel like these stories do a good job um, kind of fulfilling their mission of telling this really kind of succinct story? And do you feel like there needs to be a third chapter in this uh, kind of story arc? So are we are we staying spoiler free or are yes. we going into spoiler? This lanes? will be the last spoiler free? spoiler free, and then we're just going full blown spoilers. <laughs> full on, <laughs> yeah. Because right. I want to make sure um, that you can recommend it to someone who hasn't played it yet. Yeah, I I think that both of these stories together, I see this as one story, mm-hmm. and I am okay with it ending here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will end here. Um, I think that maybe part of the story will end and I'm happy that that will end. Sure. But I think that other characters that are introduced, yeah, particularly in the second game, mm-hmm. I feel like that might be an area to look into. Yes. Um, so as far as like, is this an effective story? I think, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think we needed both parts to make it an effective story. Cause going mm-hmm. back to your point, their, their purpose was to find a cure. Yes. I guess this is a spoiler, but it really isn't. Right, yeah. It's very it minor. Didn't end, <laughs> yeah. it, it did not end yeah. in a cure. Like, there's a second game, right? <laughs> okay, that's so, minor spoiler territory. Yeah. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a second game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, sure, sure, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I feel like many games, though, yes. they have a main objective. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, you're going to fulfill that main objective. And the main objective was not fulfilled. Like other things happened. And I think that left me feeling a little bit empty, but that emptiness got filled immediately because I went to The Last of Us Part 2. So I feel like for a majority of those things, the the premise of the story, I think, was effective. I do not think that we need a third story or a third part to make it more effective. I think now if it wants to branch off and go into a different part of the world or what have you or follow different people, perfect mm-hmm. i'm for it but i don't think it necessarily needs to be part three i think it just needs to be the last of us something yeah not part one not part two not part three like mm-hmm. just a new story in this world yeah i love that take and i will respond to that after you make the spoiler one <laughs> all right we're about 40 minutes in this is your warning <laughs> um our last thoughts i of course would recommend this non-spoilery you can hear our spoiler effects after this little barrier 
Yeah, sir. I'm assuming you would also recommend this experience. I would absolutely, of course. I, this was my recommended experience for you uh, for this it's year. True. So it goes without it's saying. True. <laughs> it goes without saying. All right, you've been warned. Spoilers are happening. Boom. Okay. Joel's dead. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you just did not give anyone any time to pause at that point. You just hope that they pause yeah. right now. Okay. Yeah. I hope Alex laughs at that when he's editing this. <laughs> All right. Um, so I want to answer or kind of respond to what you said about the fact that it doesn't necessarily need a third game. That was so tough to answer. It is a spoilers. Tough, just it is. Know. Yeah. And it's a tough question to answer in general, I think, for the story, because there's so many different interweaving elements at this point after the second game concluded. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of different feelings that you can have for a lot of different characters. And for me, one of the strongest feelings that I have after finishing the second game, which obviously like we're jumping a lot at this point, we're going all the way to the end of the story, but I feel like it's worth mentioning just to talk about that, that question that I gave you. Um, my overall sentiment was I really didn't like Ellie's character by the end of the second story. And yeah. that's not to say that I don't like love Ellie as a person and as a character in general, but she made a lot of mistakes in the second game. I think that goes without saying. And she continued to double down on these mistakes. Um, so we're spoiler territory at this point. Um, she is on revenge this entire game. Yeah. In the second in the second story, especially after Joel dies, obviously. That's the main revenge point that she's trying to um kind of redeem uh, or get justice for. And so many different people in her life tried to guide her to a better trajectory telling her like hey um there's a reason why (laughs) joel got attacked the way he did and what whatever person tried to guide her she just would always turn away from even at the end of the game when dina begged her not to go and she just straight up left Dina oh, killed me. and her baby to be by herself while they while she goes out for redemption again. And that just killed me. Like, like you said, that just like really tore me apart. And the fact that she didn't even get justice at the end after all the mistakes that she made made it almost worse for me. I almost yeah. would have just wanted her to do it. Like, I get that it would have sucked to have Abby die like that. But, hey, this was the whole story and where we were going. And then she didn't even accomplish it. So what did we even accomplish at all? And obviously, you can say, like, the lessons you learn along the way. And, like, she's obviously a different person now than she was when she mm-hmm. first started. But it just, I am just so over Ellie at this point. I, I hate to say yeah, it because I loved same. Ellie so much throughout this story. And I always rooted for her in a lot of different scenarios. But I just couldn't root for her anymore. I was just over it. And I didn't want anything to do with Ellie. And what's really interesting about that, and I'm going to let you respond soon. Sorry. Um, You're good. But I feel like a lot of people that had like the backlash of the second game might be on the other end of this, where they are more on Ellie's side completely and do not like what Abby did. And so that's really the the bulk of the controversy behind the second game is like, which side are you on? And I think that's really unfortunate because I don't think either of them are wrong in what they did, 
But to me personally, I thought I was over Ellie and her story and I was ready to move on to other characters if we were to see this story again. I would love to see what Tommy was doing. I'd love to see mm-hmm. other elements of Abby maybe before or after the events. But seeing Ellie again, I felt like was not necessary, especially if Joel's not going to be there. Um, and there's so much more to discuss, but yeah. at, at least starting no, I, there, how do you feel about all that? <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Ellie was a tragic character. Yes, so like, tragic. This is a character that is f- completely flawed mm-hmm. and someone that I didn't want to be flawed. It, it's like mm-hmm. watching a family member make bad decisions yeah. and you're like, I love you. Yeah. I love you. I would die for you. Mm-hmm. And why are you still making these stupid decisions? Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows the power of like what Ellie was established as yeah. in the first game. Mm-hmm. But when we when we were fighting hand to hand with Abby oh at the end yeah. of the second game, it's like don't make me do this. Like, <laughs> don't don't make me do this. Yeah. I'm like be even wobbling. You know, like, <laughs> don't don't hit me. Don't hit me. You know, I'm dodging as much as I can. Yeah. I'm just like. I don't want, like, maybe if I waited out, maybe there's a secret timer. Maybe there's a way for both of us to live yeah. because I didn't want to kill Abby. Mm-hmm. Abby, I hated Abby mm-hmm. at the beginning. She literally sure. beat the crap out of Joel, yeah. killed him with a golf club. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the game, yeah. like, her character development, I'm like, I don't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to kill her. Like, yeah. I, I want to spare her. I'm almost like, kill me like I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to lose this at the end yeah. like, abby kill just me kill it. me yeah. <laughs> just do it take lev and get out of here just kill me um like that is the power of a, a character yeah. that you hate at the beginning and you see development mm-hmm. and i think the cool part about this that you know there's a couple themes right that i i kind of hinted at the beginning yeah. one theme is kind of person's perspective is way different than you think it yeah. is like seeing abby at the beginning she looks one dimensional mm-hmm. but then halfway through the game then you playing as abby mm-hmm. you see the perspective you see the perspective of scars you see yep. the perspective from lev you see the perspective from all these other characters along the way mm-hmm. and it makes you realize you guys are all humans like you all deal with things differently but in about the same way yeah. but the bigger theme is kind of this obsession like what obsession does to the rest of your life and this could be ellie who literally gave up dina and jj poor cute little jj like one of the cutest babies (laughs) in a video game um like giving all that up Mm -hmm. because she just has to like she's obsessed with killing abby like she is obsessed with it and you see what that does to other characters tommy you know, was married to Maria. Now they're kind of like divorced. And he, you could just see he's like, he's obsessed with finding leads, with finding mm-hmm. Abby to kill her. And just this obsession that takes over your life. And I think Abby and Ellie, and I promise I'll let you respond after this. Abby and Ellie, in my mind, are on the same path, mm-hmm. but on different parts of the road. Yes. Like Abby worked through her revenge and she found that what was at the end of it mm-hmm. was empty and shallow. and towards the game when you're actually playing as her mm-hmm. like you are showing what happens after it like there's tons tons of guilt yep. you know her relationship with owen is on the rocks because her obsession destroyed that mm-hmm. and really ellie why we hate ellie is because ellie is basically abby right before she kills joel yeah and it's the same path it's just yep. 
a different perspective on that path. And I think that's honestly beautiful. I, I think that it was really is. Super tragically beautiful. Powerful. Tragically, tragically yes, beautiful. Yes. No, I'm so I'm so glad you're saying all that. And but at the same time, it doesn't really surprise me because we agree on a lot of different things like this. So yeah. <laughs> uh it does not completely surprise me that we are really on the same wavelength here. Um I think you're absolutely right. And I think the most important point that you made is how similar Abby and Ellie truly are. For all the people mm-hmm. who want to take one side or the next, that's what that's what I'd probably respond with is it doesn't even make sense to take one side. Yeah. It's literally the same side. It's just different yeah. places on their story arc is the only difference. Um, mm-hmm. Like her, Abby's decisions in the first game and how she ended up killing Joel as a result are totally justified when you consider what Joel did to her life specifically. And Joel did this to a lot of people. It was not only Abby. So Mm -hmm. for this to happen to him, to me, just seemed like an inevitability rather than a crazy shock. And even Mm -hmm. I had like some sort of um, impression that Joel was going to die based on some of the reactions. Like you'd, you'd kind of piece it together. Like, okay, someone must die here or something must kind of happen in the beginning of the game that would cause such a crazy negative and positive reaction at the same time um i think the saddest part about that initial like prologue i guess you could say in the second game for me was that joel as a character was so impactful to the story and i say that one as like yes he was the main protagonist of the first game obviously but also all the different pieces of the story that we talked about whether it was the writing or the voice acting or the character development he was the like epitome of all those things he his character and how it developed over time was incredible like he had a lot of those different or or similar kind of uh, beats that we talked about with character development where you can see the progression of Joel and how he's like reacting with the rest of the world around him from the beginning of the first game to immediately after those events transpired to meeting Ellie and then getting to the end of the final mm-hmm. chapter of the first game. That was a huge like roller coaster of emotions, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you're following Joel along that. And so you get to the other side with Joel and you end up losing him so quickly in that second game yeah. that I think that's where a lot of the negative energy came is from losing that connection that you have with that character and you can't get it back. Um, you mm-hmm. get it back in bits and pieces through those memories, which I thought were some of the best scenes in the entire second yes. game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just, you every time you have one of those scenes, you're like, fuck. I bought more of it, but you know you can't because he's already dead, so he's not going to be in other, yeah. many other scenes. But his mm-hmm. character as a whole, like Troy Baker, he did an incredible job, in my opinion, voicing mm-hmm. Joel, where you could like feel the emotion out of a lot of the scenes that he's in, where even just having a handful of scenes after the prologue, they were so impactful that I still remember those scenes more than some of the other scenes I had um, with Ellie and Abby and Jesse. Uh, Obviously, there are so many strong scenes throughout the second game, but I remember those Joel ones so much just because of 
such a great performance um, via Troy and just the writing in general of that character that it sticks with me. I think that is the key to another reason why I think this is one of the best stories in gaming. Because if they killed off Joel and then never showed him again, Mm -hmm. like if they just didn't have any of those flashbacks, Mm there would be such a loss there. There would be a pit in the story. But every time that Joel came on the screen, I was glued. Mm -hmm. I was ready because I I wanted to see kind of what transpired because obviously, you know, you're, you're meeting them four years after the first game Mm -hmm. and they're a little distant. There's some animosity there. You don't know that she knows Mm -hmm. and you learn through the story bits and pieces. Yeah. You know, she goes back to Salt Lake City. She goes to that hospital. She finds out what happened and she's furious and she's, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. Mm-hmm. And then she was furious just like at, we were at the end of the first game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. I needed him right. to be shamed. Right. I needed him to be shamed by her mm-hmm. and know that this was not right. Yeah. Um, and then it's heartbreak of that. Wow. That's the last thing. Really, like mm-hmm. any of this is the last thing she ever said to him. Yep. And then you find out later. You know, they they did say, you know, I I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'm willing to try. Like that line killed me. Mm-hmm. It absolutely killed me. And when she's about to kill Abby in the scene, she thinks back to Joel in that moment of, you know what? I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'm willing to try. And she does that and applies that to Abby. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. Like, I, I think that just wrapped it up in a bow, you know, mm-hmm. That made this story yeah. just a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. It's truly a masterclass in storytelling where you can have such negative emotions towards the character, but you still want to root for all the different sides because you can understand where they're coming from, no matter what side that they're on. Mm-hmm. And there's so many mirrors between all the different characters, especially the main characters, Joel, Ellie, and Abby. They're all so interconnected. And a lot of their story beats are the same. You just have to think about it from their individual perspectives. And then you see it pretty clearly in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is just so difficult to lose Joel that early. Um, and yeah. so I get it. I get why people were furious and <laughs> I don't get, I don't understand their reactions in the sense that like, you know, threats to developers and everything that just doesn't make any sense, obviously. No, but you can no, get I, why there's such strong emotion towards just a story that isn't real fictional characters, but you understand it in the sense that they were just so masterly crafted that to have that kind of response isn't entirely um, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I think I it just shows like the power of like, a brooding hero we almost wanted to make him be that hero that we would envision ourselves to be mm-hmm. right yeah and i feel like at the end of the game he shows his true colors like he's not a good guy like he is mm-hmm. he's an anti-hero at best mm-hmm. right <laughs> and i think people just really connected with him and and maybe you know they see themselves as more complicated heroes kind of like him and taking that away did not help a lot of people a lot of people hated it mm-hmm. um, but i think it was honestly necessary if we went through the second part two if we went through part two with joel mm-hmm. still intact i feel like it would lessen his decisions that he made sure and yeah. i i feel like 
going back to the motion capture, the motion capture that Troy Baker had when he's literally getting beat to death, like it was almost like a yep. I knew this was coming. Yeah, I, I knew he, like, this accepted would come it. back to me yeah. eventually. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. and like he didn't say a word, and that was also heartbreaking that he didn't get to say anything to Ellie mm-hmm. as she's watching him get beat to death. Yeah, um, but he just understands. Yeah, there's a resignation like, for there, there for sure. Yeah, 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 and I, I think that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. that all to me put a bow and made me okay with part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um. But see, this is where I go back to what I didn't like about the final act of the first game, where it was mm-hmm. just so quickly, there was no discussion from the like physician who decided we just got to kill Ellie. You know, like that was right. very rash. And I just wouldn't have expected that so quickly after they got there to have immediately noticed that this is the complication and this is what we're going to do. We're just going to kill her. Um, and so it just felt rash and it felt like it was just there to progress the story. And mm-hmm. initially when it happened, I was like, okay, I don't like this. I don't like how it ended. But then when you give it the time that it needs, kind of like what you were saying before, you can accept that this could happen and it's okay. Even if it was there to move the story along, it's still plausible enough. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, the thing that I didn't like about the second game, I thought thought was a stronger issue or bigger issue in comparison is how did we never come back to the fact that Ellie is the key to this entire yeah. like worldwide problem that they're in? No one ever even talks about the fact that she's immune. Did uh, I don't even think Dina knew for a long time until like yeah, she just she randomly figured it out. How yeah. is this not <laughs> still a strong story element in this game? It's like it's just completely disappeared. And that really rubbed me the wrong way in the second game. And I just kept expecting it to kind of loop its way back around into a major story element. And it never did. And I thought that was one of the one of the story elements in the second game that I just couldn't come to grips with and say like, okay, I agree these things were more important. None of them, mm-hmm. none of the things that happened in the second game were more important than Ellie finding a way to help humanity get over this pandemic that they're in. Like, yes, she can be, she was upset at Joel for doing what he did. And yet she didn't, I don't feel like she did enough to try to correct it herself. She still has opportunities. She's still alive. She still is technically the cure, no? Um, But she didn't make any effort to do anything with that. And along the way, she still continued to double down on this revenge arc that she was on and didn't even consider that as part of her like emotional baggage. Like, hey, I need to do this because I have a moral responsibility as like a potential cure to this um, crazy infection that no one's found a solution for. That's not even part of her like mental dialogue at all. What do you think mm-hmm. about that in general? Like, I, I feel like her focus on her purpose because she was so mad at Joel for taking away her purpose, mm-hmm. right? And awesome, great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she said that to him. Yeah. Her purpose then changed to, I need to avenge Joel. I need to take revenge on his life. And mm-hmm. I feel like she lost that, which is maybe playing into that theme of talking about obsession ruining everything. Like yeah. Obsession ruins your ability to be the best that you can be, mm-hmm. to achieve what you can mm-hmm. because you're so obsessed in, in one goal. 
The one thing where I do wonder if part three will take place Mm -hmm. is does this get resolved in that way? Like she then realizes that her, her now greater purpose is to reconnect with the fireflies. Presumably Lev and Abby go off, leave Santa Barbara. They go to whatever Island, I forget what it's called. And, um, to meet with the, the fireflies, like your, your loading screen changes from that, that, boat in the water <laughs> yeah. to the place where the island where the fireflies are at so yeah. it's presuming that abby and lev made it mm-hmm. which makes me think if there is another doctor who knows that there is a chance will abby yeah. try to reconnect with with ellie and kind of bring her back and do this whole thing over and then maybe <laughs> ellie can have some redemption maybe that's yeah. the, the area that they go to um, because i agree like i I actually hadn't thought about that until you brought it up of, you know, she, we lost the, like the whole first part of this game, yeah. like didn't really mean anything. Nope. Like we, we had a main objective yeah. and then we kind of gave it up Yeah, and we never picked up that torch. So I, I agree with you. I, I just never even thought about it until now, man. It frustrated me so much throughout the game. Cause that's all I could think about. Cause I was expecting this game to be a, like a, direct continuation of that story and that was such a huge obviously story element in the first game the fact that it didn't get brought up very much at all was just mind-boggling to me that seemed like a serious omission from like a writing perspective uh, for something so important i i see where you're going where that's like a potential possibility for a part three but it just doesn't Mm -hmm. make logical sense to me just because I don't know. Remind me because it's been a little bit since I've played part two. I I do want to play it soon, (laughs) but remind (laughs) me, um, does Abby at the end of the second game, how does she know that Ellie was the vaccine or the solution? Does she know? Um, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I know that she realized that, there's somebody that's here. Like the girl is here. The fireflies knew they were coming mm-hmm. and then they never showed up and they just presumed that they died. Yeah. But then when they, they were in that kind of like zoo outside the hospital uh-huh. when her dad got the message from Owen, yeah. Hey, they're here. Yeah. The person made it. Yeah. And then I think she connected the dots. You that think so? The person was taken. Oh. Yeah. Because, Oh sure. They, 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 they were, were the taken. Operating sure. Room, yeah, yeah. Right. But did she connect the dots that, that she was like some sort of cure? I I would I, I guess I'm just presuming. I don't think it they actually explicitly said yeah. that she knew. I don't think so either. Um, but I'm kind of hopeful that like they packed up and like disbanded or whatever and I guess this subsect of fireflies that she goes to like I don't think it's a, a, against the realm of possibility that she will then connect the dots or say sure. hey like this person's still alive or someone There's explains it though, to her potentially I guess. I think that would make more sense. Like if someone yeah. eventually explains like, oh, and like she finally has that moment of realization. But mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to connect the dots for her. She just knows that something important was happening and she was just a little kid at the time. I I do worry of there being a part three because I feel like if Ellie and Abby ever see each other again, it cheapens the end of this yeah, I agree. game. They shouldn't because see each other again. I agree. Honestly, when they saw each other the second time, when she went for like revenge, it was like the most frustrating thing. When we played Ellie going to Santa Barbara, yeah. like, it's like, what are we the doing pace here? Slowed <laughs> yeah. down, like it was like yeah. snail pace, and I didn't want to fight 
anybody anymore. I just mm-hmm. wanted to see what happened at the end of this game and yeah. finish it along. I, I yeah. do think the pacing struggled yes. in the, the end of this second game. Mm-hmm. But I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you seeing her? Mm-hmm. Like, it ended well. It ended fine. And before then they, they that. did. Yeah, yeah before they're that. On the farm. Then yeah. they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, like, punch it out, whatever. And then Abby leaves. And now I, I feel like they shouldn't see each other ever yeah, again. I like, I, I do think that what's done is done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you approach that because do you, what would you rather be? Would you rather like the ending of the second one then be cheapened no. with the third game mm-hmm. to get that redemption arc for Ellie? I don't know. Like no. it's so tricky. And yeah. I, I don't know if Neil Druckmann knows what he's doing with that third part yet. If there is a third part, yeah. I'd rather honestly show me, show me the UK response. I'm sure there's other experiences other stories. that happen. Yeah. 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 And like, the Ellie can't be the only one immune. Like maybe yeah. there is another option. It's, I don't know. It's it's tough to say the least. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for them to see each other again, and that's why I still fully support of just not seeing Ellie anymore. I wanted yeah a certain story in the second game that just never happened. As far as like the the continuation of her trying to help find a cure. That never happened, and I feel like at this point, it's over. You can't go back to it because you've gone so long. This was a pretty long story in part two, and you don't even bring it up as like a major um, topic. So to me, it's like you can't go back. You've already gone through this far. She didn't even, like, if if she was at least contemplating it the whole time, I would understand. I'd be like, okay, she was contemplating it, but eventually she just agreed that this is more important. She's got to get revenge. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she goes back to it, but she never contemplated it. She just no, talks never. about like her sadness or she thinks about her th- sadness of like how she talked to, to Joel before he died and how she's battling with forgiving him and not forgiving him. But for continuing her mission, she just never did that. And I just felt like mm-hmm. at that point, it's not worth it to try to retread it. I think the tough part about, um, thinking about what to do with the story next is a lot of people still feel very emotionally connected to Ellie and to Abby. And for them to not be part of the next story is something that I would agree with, but I think a lot of other people would feel uh, like those characters are getting neglected or being tossed aside for Mm -hmm. no good reason. I think it's a good reason because we kind of, like you said, put a bow on the story as a whole and we don't necessarily need to see what happens next. And also, like you said, it would lessen the impact of both the first and second game if they just become friends somehow. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I would not like that. Here's my concern, mm-hmm. because I think we're on the same page. I think I would like another story. Mm-hmm. My concern, you know, I don't know your history with The Walking Dead. I feel like everyone around oh, our God. age watched yeah. The Walking Dead at some point. Yeah. The original series, great. Like up seasons, to, I yeah. don't know, yeah. season four or five, yeah. like it, I thought it was excellent. Sure. Season six, I don't know. I don't know when Negan was introduced, but then I was like in it. Like that was good stuff. Sure. Maybe right after Negan, it dropped off a little bit. But then they started doing Fear the Walking Dead, where they looked at the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Maybe some interconnecting, maybe some Easter eggs in that world. And, yeah. ah, man... I just don't didn't know hit if the it same, right? the experience. It yeah. just didn't feel the same. Yeah. So my concern is if they do The Last of Us UK or The Last of Us Australia, like, yeah. I don't know, The Last of Us whatever, yeah. 
I don't know if it would hit the same because mm-hmm. really the last of us to me is Joel. Mm-hmm. It's Ellie. Mm-hmm. It's Abby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they can develop other characters, but man, that's going to be really tough to live up to this initial story yeah. that I feel like either they're almost painted into part three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's a very tough thing. I almost, yeah, I, I'd that's... be fine with nothing. I'd be fine with nothing. I would honestly. too. I really would too. As much as I love these games and I recommend them all the time, um, I think we're at a good point where we don't need a third game. However, that's kind of why I think if I had to say, like if someone was telling me we have to make a third game, no matter what, they're, the, the executives or the or even the writers say like we really want to continue the story, what should it be? I think my first um, intention would be to try to continue the story on some of the side characters that we have, especially the more important ones yeah. like Tommy. We lose Tommy after the prologue of the first game and we don't see him for years like years years like over a decade yeah. so there's so yeah. much material there and then what's great about taking that direction in my opinion is you can incorporate joel ellie and other characters that we've seen throughout this these first two parts in that story as like easter eggs and as like specific missions and chapters but you don't need to continue their story as a whole again um, so you get kind of the best of both worlds. You get to see more story, but also you get to interweave with the characters that we love. And I think in general, people want to see more of Tommy. I don't think people don't like Tommy. Mm-hmm. It's just, you don't see that much of them is all. Um, so that would be my first take. Um, so if someone asked you that question and said like, okay, we have to have a third game, what would be like the best case scenario for you? Yeah. Like I, I think, Tommy's probably the right answer, right? Because you get him working with the fireflies. You kind of get that backstory of how did the fireflies start? Then you kind of have like the murderous streak of Joel and Tommy. And then it's kind of like him settling down in Jackson. How does he even Mm -hmm. roam into that? Is he trusted? Is he what? Like, how does he become a love interest to basically the mayor of Jackson? (laughs) Like, like that is probably the most interesting story. Honestly, though, like... I can't think of really anybody, anybody else that I care enough about that has that backstory because yeah. most everybody else is really young. Yeah. Like most of them don't have life experiences exactly. that you can really pin on mm-hmm. unless we looked at what I think is probably one of the weirdest decisions, but maybe not weird. It just maybe underutilized part of The Last of Us Part Two is Isaac, like the mm. leader yeah. of this new group, right? The wolves. Yeah. This new group that Abby is part of after the Fireflies disbanded, he is creepy and he's ominous and he is torturing people. And you just know that he's a bad guy. Like, you know, when you're talking to him and you're like on his side that something's not right with this guy. Then he like unceremoniously gets shot. I don't know if he dies. I guess he's presumed dead. Mm -hmm. But there's so much to that backstory, which does add a lot of depth of like, the the lore mm-hmm. and kind of like the intrigue of it but man i would love to see how does he rise up to power you know how does the wolves get started the wolves versus the scars and yeah. that kind of like territorial civil war mm-hmm. i want to know about the seattle qz mm-hmm. like that is some interesting stuff yeah. and i think we got glimpses of that and i don't know if it necessarily has to be isaac but maybe maybe that he had a companion 
that you know he loved and you can follow that companion then maybe something happened so that's why he hates the scars and he needs to kind of conquer like like there's so much that you can Mm -hmm. speculate for sure and i feel like they've made this world it would be a shame to go away from it in a way Mm -hmm. um but Man, this this is a tough task. Yeah. I'm glad it's not my job because whatever's next yeah. is going to be whew, that microscope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with you in the sense that there's so many different stories that they could follow that it seems like it's an easy decision to continue the story. But the tough part is you have to pick a story, in my opinion, that will interweave everyone's favorite characters as much as possible. Because yeah. like you said, in a lot of different spinoffs that we've had over the years, whether it's Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, whatever the case might be, even some games, I'm pretty sure I've done this. Um, when you just do a full, like uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, for example, um, mm-hmm. whenever you have just a full spinoff with no connection or not enough connective tissue with the previous stories, people, number one, aren't, really, aren't um, interested as much, especially off the get-go, as far as like the hype factor goes. And then... The second part is like, like you just said at the end, they're going to have this huge microscope on all the characters and they're going to say everything about how much this character isn't as good as Ellie and how could this be yeah. the protagonist and what, what not and what have you. That is just too difficult to overcome in my opinion. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. risk it because this is such a good IP. It would be a shame, like you said, to kind of throw it away in a different aspect of you release a different game that people just don't connect with. Because it's really tough. It's really tough to make a good story that people really relate to and really get emotionally invested in. And it's hard to kind of um, have lightning strike twice sometimes. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think try to play a little bit more safe. Neil Druckmann has mentioned he has a story for Tommy. He just doesn't know how he's going to tell it. Is it going to be a season on the show? Is it going to be a DLC in a game? Or is it going to be the sequel? He doesn't know, but he has a story for Tommy. And I think like as soon as I heard that, I was like, yes, do that. That makes the most sense yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna continue The Last of Us. But I also, like you said, um, or like we've said in the past, would be okay with just letting it go because it just it really is a good time in the story to kind of let it settle, let people continue to talk about it, because I'm sure it'll be talked about for a very long time. And if you guys want to do a new IP, Naughty Dog is one of the best developers that sony has i want to see what they can do i don't want them to just become a last of us machine Um, i wish i could experience their uncharted stuff but i just feel like they're kind of dated at this point where i wish there was like some sort of remaster i don't know they were going to do the nathan drake collection but it's not the full story so for me i didn't really want to dive into it that way but i do wish that naughty dog could do something new too just because i want to see what they would come up with because they're so talented and they have such great writers and developers i want to see what they could do um so we'll see we'll see how it progresses uh was there anything is there anything else in that last question that we kind of missed or touched on i guess what would you rate on the the first two games so you said 10 out of 10 yeah that was your review of both of them yep okay so i'll and and honestly i i put them as 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. you know this will like unless there's just six banger of games that happen this will be on my top six <laughs> yeah. gaming experiences of of 2024 so like don't worry listeners you can listen to me again <laughs> talk about it in december i'll be right there with but, you yeah <laughs> i i'm only counting this as one game 
Okay. In my opinion, okay, fair. this is 10 out of 10 together because sure. I experienced it together. I, I okay. listed them both on IGN playlist, but mm-hmm. in my mind, that's one game. Okay. Um, and I'm putting them together. Fair enough. Um, where would you rate this? Yes, yes. So <laughs> as a game that I recommend all the time, obviously you would expect that they're going to be very highly rated. And they are. Spoiler alert. I think these are both <laughs> incredible games and they're some of the best games I've ever played ever. Um, Obviously, I think of them as two separate games because I didn't play them immediately back to back. Yep. Um, Even when part two came out, I didn't immediately play it. And it's mainly because one, I take my time with linear story games in general. But number two, I kind of felt like I needed the time after the first game to kind of just like step away from it, especially after how it ended. Um, Just to like have that settle in and then I can go on to the next game. But I knew I was going to play it because I love mm-hmm. the story yeah. and the, the characters. Um, after, if I were to give you an answer for the first game immediately after I beat it, I probably would have said like eight or nine because okay. a story-related game, obviously when you're rating it, you're going to take the story beats into consideration uh, and say like, okay, well, this is a story-related game. There are pieces of the story I really didn't like, or at least a piece, so it can't be 10 out of 10. But after I had more time with it and I thought about it, like in a lot of ways, it did make sense what they did with the first game. No matter how much you might disagree with what a character did or just how they wrote it, um, I think overall it made sense to the point where I think I can still give that a 10 out of 10, 100%. I don't feel any regret in being able to do that. Second game, I feel like is more difficult for me. I can't give that a 10 out of 10, even though I think I enjoyed it just as much as you did. Um, mm-hmm. to the point where I want to give it a 10 out of 10 because it was such an emotional experience and it take takes you on this crazy ride. Um, but there are a lot of different story pieces or story elements that I feel like could have done been done better. And I think there's been some rumors about like how or why certain things happened. For example, um, you know that time when you're as Abby and you're with Lev and you're going through the island and things just uh-huh. like start blowing up and like everything's on fire? That piece yeah. of the story I felt like was so rushed. You didn't really get to see what the scars were. I, I was really yeah. excited for that. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to see more about the scars, learn more about them. Because we just, mm-hmm. like you said, with a lot of different characters on this, you just see them as a bad guy and you don't really get to mm-hmm. see enough about the backstory. And whenever you do, you get to like really understand their perspective and you get to understand them more as human beings. And we didn't really get to do that with the scars. We kind of got that with Lev and um, her family, but not enough. I wanted more. And from what I've heard, some pieces of the story kind of got cut off only due to length. And I kind of get it, right? Like it's a really long uh, story in general, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that to me is a missed opportunity. And from between that and a lot of the other pacing issues that we have in the second game that we've already talked about with some of the emotional baggage that I have with the story not continuing the way I expected it to in the second game, I can't give it a 10. I just can't do it. I think it's a nine. Um, okay. But it's such a good game. It's such a good story. I will always recommend it no matter what. It's just there is, <laughs> to me, just so many missed opportunities that I wish we could have experienced. Um, that That's why I say it's a nine only in the sense that I wanted more, not that it wasn't good enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I get you 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... 
I saw the deepest growth and change in character development. So I think yeah, I probably prefer The Last of Us Part Two just because of that. I actually have it like a, such a good point, IGN though. playlist because I couldn't remember which I put before. Sure. And I did put Last of Us Part Two ahead of Last of Us Part One. Sure. But you're right. The pacing is kind of all over the place in the last, like, I would say the last third yeah, of the game. Exactly. Yep. It's very all over the place. I, w- I wish we could cut Santa Barbara in half and put that on scars. Yeah. Like, I, I completely agree with you. I think mm-hmm. I would have cut a lot of that extra portion because at the end of the game, I really, I really don't want to play as Ellie. Like, I really <laughs> yeah. don't want to fight as Ellie. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to find collectibles. Like, I, I, I just want to, I just want to finish. Uh-huh. Like, I, I just want to finish yeah. this game. And you don't want that um, feeling at the end of a video game, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I do think it kind of soured it a little mm, bit, yeah. but um, so but I so I get what you're saying, mm. but I think for for me, I probably would rank it Last of Us Part Two then Last that, of Us Part One. That is very fair. You're right. A lot of the things that they do in Part Two are better than Part One, which is crazy to say because of how well made Part One was. But you're right. A lot of the story elements were deeper. There were better character, um, like back and forth. You get to see two different perspectives, which you don't get to see very much. I don't think you do that at all in part one, right? No. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they they advanced the gameplay and the story in a lot of different ways that you could argue is better than they did in part one. And you'd be totally right in saying that. Um, so I think we're both right. It's just there are some things that they left on the table that I wish they didn't in, the, in part two. So that's that's kind of why I give last one last of us part one the edge just because it was the more complete package that um didn't leave as much on the table at the time but both such great games incredible great games honestly my favorite story in video games so I'm so glad you I, finally I, played it <laughs> i'm so happy i doubt that will change for this, uh this discussion only because of that yeah like i hope i have another 10 out of 10 game that yeah. i play this oh year. yeah i absolutely. hope but in my mind, out of the games that have that potential that I, I know I'm going to play, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's Final Fantasy Rebirth that comes out soon mm-hmm. or um, Rise of the Ronin, like any of these games, mm-hmm. we're not finding narrative games in those. Like those are not going to be narrative masterpieces in my mind. And so nothing's going to touch Last of Us, I, I think, this year. Now, overall experience, maybe. Exactly. But right, sure. man, this story just so good and i'm so happy that they chose this to be an hbo series because yeah. you know maddie's not a gamer fit. yeah she will she would never <laughs> play last of us part two never yeah. never play last of us part one yeah. she loved the first season and i've talked to so many non-gamers since that released mm-hmm. that are oh so down for it and so i can't yeah. wait one i'm i'm a little bit nervous to have her watch this because i think it's <laughs> going to be yeah like awful in a lot of sense but um you know i think ah, it's gonna be good i I can't wait for her to to experience it because it honestly is my favorite favorite story i've experienced in gaming and i think with that we're done we good yeah we're good good. that was a long episode for one peer review but it was two games in our defense that was two games (laughs) that was two games sorry alex um (laughs) That has been another peer review. Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. I've been Matt. That is Yasser. We fully recommend both of these games. And if not, you know, you're not into games, hey, there's a great HBO series. Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey. Perfect, perfect, perfect season. Really, really enjoyed it. Go check them out. Let us know how you feel. 
Um, and I think that's it. I don't even think Grandmaster Doug has tunes at the end of this. So <laughs> see you guys next time. <laughs>